Hey guys, we are finally back for a nice segment of the Grind Never Stops podcast. I wasn't able to record in these days because I did not feel well, but we are back and today I turned 29. So I want to thank everyone who has given me birthday wishes. But let's get going and start talking about sports. So first, we'll start with the NBA first round recap, and we'll also preview the second round, and then we will end the episode on talking about the Montreal Canadiens. But first, we want to start for the first round recap. So the number one seed Sixers played eighth seed Wiz, and we all knew that this matchup was going to finish quicker than any matchup in these playoffs, but Joel Embiid missed the end of game three, and he also missed game four, so that's why the Wizards pulled up for a victory, and the Sixers were not ready to play without Joel Embiid, but in game six, uh, game five, the Sixers played great defense and kept shooting half from downtown and Danny Green had a great game and also Tobias Harris who was the x-factor of this matchup he had a big game and he also had five big games for the Sixers but this matchup was no competition even though it was Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal because the rest of the team is straight up garbage and we will talk about the Wizards in another segment because they will have a busy offseason because of what they're going to do about Bradley Beal what they're going to do once Thomas Bryan comes back for the Wiz they have a lot of questions but the Wizards need a lot of guys there's going to be a lot of guys on the market a lot of guys that they can trade for and I think Bradley Beal's value is pretty high right now so if they wanna if they wanna flirt with these trade offers they can do it because they have high value for Bradley Beal and they can get someone great in return because he was second in league scoring he was probably the second best scorer behind Steph Curry in the regular season because he struggled in the playing game against the Celtics he had an efficient game against the Pacers but ever since game one to like game five he struggled from the floor and we're not forgetting Russell Westbrook yes he can average triple doubles but Russell Westbrook never shoots in a good field goal percentage in the playoffs and we saw that in every single game but that's why the wizard didn't have enough and we will talk about the washington wizards in another segment but the sixers advanced to the second round and they have been to the second round for the third three of the last four years and it's funny how all of their losses was against a team that got eliminated in the first round, which was the Celtics, in which we will 
talk now. So the Brooklyn Nets, the second-seeded Nets, played the seven-seed Celtics. And I thought that the Celtics can give more. And I thought this could go maybe six games or even seven. But Jason Tatum, yes, he had a great, amazing game three. He also had a great game in game four. But no, no, yeah, he had a great game three and decent game four. But game five was one of his worst performance in his career in the playoffs. He wasn't shooting the ball well. And yes, he got injured late in the season and he got injured again after a hard elbow to the face by Kevin Durant, which they they did not call a foul on that play. But Jason Tatum played great in the first couple games, went for 50, but since that game, he struggled. And Jason Tatum is not the player that can get He's not there yet. He has the potential. He has the potential. But everyone else struggle from the floor. Kemba Walker missed the last two games for the Celtics. And he was a key player. Also, Robert Williams, who came in these playoffs as an injured NBA player. But... He still played and had great performances on the defensive end. As in ga <clears throat> game one, he had eight blocks. He almost had a triple-double. But Robert Williams also missed the last two games. And he was a key piece for the Celtics all season long. But you guys got to remember, injuries are a part of the game. And yes, they lost Jalen Brown. But still, I still think the Celtics could still have it with Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson. But um, other than Jason Tatum's Game 3, the rest, everyone played like garbage. And the Nets did have a lot of turnovers in the first couple games. But the problem was the Celtics cannot take advantage and when you play a super team powerhouse in the nets you gotta take advantage of them turning the ball over and that's what the Celtics cannot do on both ends on the floor offensively and defensively that's why the nets one and five everyone had great games and yes maybe Kyrie 14 points in game four or game five wasn't great, but he still had 11 boards. And I think Kyrie needs to keep shooting. And since James Harden, oh, we'll talk about Harden and while well, we talk about the second round preview, but uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant played magnificent against the Celtics. And Jason, like, that was a great matchup to see because on both teams their fans were saying JT cannot handle Kevin Durant behind the three-point arc and people said that KD cannot stay and guard with Jason Tatum but obviously Kevin Durant won that matchup because if Jason Tatum won that matchup we wouldn't be talking up on how the Celtics can take the Nets more than five games and for the Celtics they just they just 
completely turned around. As soon as they lost, Danny Ainge resigned. He and then Brad Stevens moved up. So right now, the Boston Celtics do not have a head coach. And they're going to be looking for a head coach as there are a lot of candidates to coach the Celtics. And I think there's a lot of great, there's like Jason Kidd who's an assistant in Los Angeles. <clears throat> there's Luke Walton who might be fired, could be a great coach for the Boston Celtics. So next we will talk about the Atlanta Hawks who played the New York Knicks. And this matchup, I thought, man, the Knicks could at least win this matchup. But in the end, the Knicks just got outmatched. And I told you guys, the only reason that the Atlanta Hawks could beat the New York Knicks as fast as they did, if they had this three-point shooting goal, if Bogdanovich can steps out of the slump that he had, if Galinari goes off off the bench and if Trey Young continues what he has been doing since the Hawks fired their head coach early in the season and they ended the season on a high note but it doesn't matter playoffs is a different animal that's why I told you the Hawks the only reason they could win against Randall and the Knicks if they have their three-point shooting going if Trey Young keeps doing the icy Trey Young things, and if Bogdanovich steps out of the slump, continues what he did at the beginning of the season, and if everyone does their role. And about Jason Collins, he did not have offensively. He did not. He was quiet in all five games, but defensively he played great. And I also said that they need to contain Julius Randle, the most improved player who's almost averaging a triple-double. They need to contain Julius Randle because he, the X factor for the Hawks is containing Julius Randle. It's not any player for the Atlanta Hawks because the only great player on the Knicks. And don't tell me RJ Barrett is a good player. He struggled from downtown mightily. He struggled from the field. He couldn't get anything done. Because I know you guys said RJ Barrett has had his best three-point percentage better than any player that was drafted in, in his draft class. But the playoffs, he struggled. The Knicks won only one game. And that was game two at MSG. The Hawks out dueled them in at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It was just a mess. Even though they played three times at the Garden and two times in Atlanta. And it's Alfred Payne did not have great couple games. And that's why he got DMPs. He got benched. It wasn't for no reason, because Alfred Payne has been the starter for the Knicks all season long. But when playoffs starts and you're struggling, you gotta, and the other guys red hot, you gotta put the other guy. Especially when it's Derek Rose, who had a great matchup, 
but he's not gonna carry the Knicks to the promised land by himself. And Julius Randle struggled all series long. And yes, he had a efficient in game four. And yes, he had a great game in game five. But those are just average games. Once you get to the buffs, you gotta average 10 times on what you're averaging. You can't just before the playoffs average 20, 11, and 5, and then at, during the playoffs you average 17, 11, and 3 with under 36% from the field and 29% from 3. That can't happen for Julius Randle. And this is the problem for the Knicks is that they had the opponent had one goal stop Julius Randle and that's what the Knicks did they stopped Julius Randle also they contained Derrick Rose after his red hot performances in the first couple of games they contained him in the next three and RJ Barrett struggled he can get nothing done and yes I told you the Hawks are gonna win this they gotta improve the three-point shooting, continue shooting the three, and the, and the rate they've been shooting at all series. Well, ever since they fired their old head coach, and Trey Young's gotta be Trey Young and not be the Trey Young of recent years, just trying to be like Dame Dalla and Steph Curry. But the Knicks, the Hawks, expected the Knicks to everyone give all, not just. Derrick Rose and R.G. Barrett. I mean, Derrick Rose and Julius Randle. Just the Knicks can get nothing. And in Game 5 was probably the worst game for the Knicks because they turned the ball over as much as 23 times, especially in the final quarter. So the Hawks won in 5. The Hawks played magnificent. Trey Young played amazing. He shut the crowd up in every single game. Even if they lost in game two, he still played a great game. So the Hawks uh, won in five games. Once we're done recapping, we'll do well for both conferences, and then we'll do second round preview and who faces who. <clears throat> so the Bucks. <clears throat> faced the Miami Heat and I thought the Heat still had their numbers but in the end the Bucks surprised me the Bucks played very well from ever since that game one over ever since that overtime started until the final second in game four the Milwaukee Bucks played magnificent basketball they played great guys they played great and for the Miami Heat it was a total disappointment for the Miami Heat Bam Adebayo didn't get his jump shot going until game four Tyler Hero was nowhere to be found the Heat thought they could have the Hero bubble but no there was no Tyler Hero bubble it was straight up trash Tyler Hero Inserting Andre Iguodala to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo did not work out for the Miami Heat because Jimmy Butler 
did not do anything. He had his worst shooting performance ever in his career. He never shot that horribly from the field, from three, from the free throw line. And yes, he might have a triple double in game four, but what did that do for the Miami Heat? They got swept off the floor. And they should win this matchup. They're predicted to win against the Bucks because they've been having <clears throat> their numbers. So that was horribly by the Miami Heat. The bright side of Miami was Gordon Dragic and and Kendrick Nunn. But other than that, everyone played like straight up trash. It was a complete disappointment for the Miami Heat. In fact, they played worse than the Knicks in these playoffs. Because no one could get going, nobody. But the Bucks wanted to make a statement. They want to make a statement and not losing to trash garbage team in the first couple rounds that like they did last season. And Drew, well, I'm not telling you that Drew Holland was the reason they won against the Miami Heat, but everyone played well. Everyone from Dante DeVicenzo, from Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, Middleton, Drew, Giannis, everyone played well, everyone did their job, and that's why they won in four games. And we'll talk about the Miami Heat in another segment. So that's it for the first round of the Eastern Conference. Now for the second round, did number one Jazz play the red-hot surprising Grizz? And yes, the Grizzlies... In probably almost every game except game five, the Grizzlies were up and down with the Jazz. It was a close game. But the problem is that Jaron Jackson and Giannis Valanciunas got caught into foul trouble in every game very early. So, and Marshawn Brooks had a great matchup, but when the Grizzlies needed a clutch shot, when they needed to take the lead at the end of the quarter or in overtime, they did not get it. And Ja Morant, uh, not, I'm going to say choked, but he he just couldn't get it done in clutch moments. Because if you look at all the Jazz wins, and before it came to a win for the Jazz, the Grizz and Jazz were tied late. But the Grizzlies just don't have the right amount of players that can make those big shots. And Kyle Anderson is an underappreciated player, and he played great defensively and offensively. But the Jazz, their number one seed in the National Basketball Association for a damn reason. Spider Mitchell was doing his thing after missing a controversial Game 1 loss. So the Jazz advance in five. The second seeded played the seventh seeded Lakers. And this was a complete disappointment for the Los Angeles Lakers. Because, you know, you're, the Suns are not playing a seventh seed. Even the Suns know that they're not playing a seventh seed. They're playing LeBron James, one of the best players ever to play the game. 
Anthony Davis, one of the best big men to ever play, not to ever play, but in this era, who can shoot, who can play D, but AD was, I understand he's injured, but he's injured all the time, and as a young player, it's not good to be injured super early in your career. So the Lakers need to, I don't know what AD is doing, but it just, he's probably not working out in the proper way because he's getting injured all the time. But it's not just Anthony Davis. LeBron was not as aggressive as always. And yes, he has an ankle injury, but the injuries happen all the time. But LeBron was not as aggressive. Dennis Schroeder had a couple great games and he did not have... He had zero points in game five. He was too too much passive in game six. In fact, he was probably the worst Laker in game six. They had to play Alex Caruso, who was a key piece for the championship team last season. They signed Montrez Harrell, and Montrez Harrell, you know what he does. But the Lakers did not use also THT. And the Lakers did not want to trade for a Lowry. They did not want to give up the Heralds of the world, the Caruso's and the Tailhorn Tuckers and the Heralds. Because they did not want to trade him for a lot. But if you reject to get an all-star point guard or former NBA champion, a player that can rebound, pass, assist, play defense, draw charges. So at least use these guys because they did not use Montrez Harrell. They did not use AC the way that they should be using them. So the Lakers will have a busy offseason as well. Not as much as the Wizards and the Celtics and the Knicks. But they will have a busy offseason. For the Suns, like I said, the sky is the limit for the second seeded surprising Suns. Because we know what Chris Paul can do on the floor. And what he can do off the floor. He's one of the best leaders to ever play in the NBA. But the X factor here was not Chris Paul or LeBron. Or it, it was Devin Booker, D-Books. D-Books was great ever since he came to the league but his team never made the playoff but as soon as they made it he had to make the statement in the first round especially against the los angeles lakers he played amazing ever since game one and he you guys know that he dropped 47 on the lakers in at the staples center in game six to get this key win but everyone's talking about these guys, but no one's talking about how Jay Crowder got into LeBron's heads, got into the Lakers' heads, and he played great, great defensively, and he shot the three ball in a great percentage in the last three games. So that was key. So Suns went in six, they will advance. So the Mavs vs. Clippers. This matchup was probably the best matchup other than the Suns and Lakers because AD was injured, LeBron's injured too. But I think this matchup was the best matchup in the Western Conference. 
because it was Luka Doncic against Kawhi and Peach. And don't get me started of saying, oh, what about Kristaps Porzingis? Chris, man, Kristaps did nothing all matchup long. He wasn't as aggressive. He wasn't rebounding the way he should be rebounding as a 7-footer. He just, yes, he had a big shot in game 6, but he was doing nothing, man. Like, that, the man that's being paid $30 million a year did not do anything. And they need to make a decision if they should trade Kristaps Porzingis. Because Doncic really needs some help. Because Luka Doncic had a series of his life. He had three 40-point games. He he averaged 33.5. And, like, because game five, he scored 42. Game six, he scored 29 with 14 assists. Game seven, he scored 46 points, seven rebounds. And 14 assists. And for the Clippers, it was a it was a horrible performances on the home court, but they played magnificent in Dallas, and they played a great Game Seven because Marcus Morris stepped up. In game seven, Kawhi played magnificent in the last three games of this matchup. And also Paul George, but Paul George did not have like a great, like he wasn't the reason the Clippers won four games. It was be because of Kawhi Leonard. He carried that team, especially in game six when he scored 45. So I think Doncic needs help, but for the Clippers, yes, they advance in seven. But Paul George needs to have better performances from the arc. He needs to be more aggressive. Because if Kawhi had struggled against the Mavericks, it would have been game over for the Clips. And yes, everyone wants to talk about the Dallas Blue 2 nothing lead. And then they blew a 3-2. But the Clippers just have more guys that can score in double digits. The Mavericks, Tim Hardaway, didn't have a great match. But in game 5, he struggled. In game 6, he's... Well, game 5, he played great. But game 6, game 3s and 4s, Hardaway was nowhere to be found. And game 7, he did not have a great uh, performance from the three-point line. So the Clippers will advance in seven. And then the Nuggets played the Blazers. And it was a great matchup to see Jokic against Dame. But the, it just the Nuggets did not have a Jamal Murray. But they still were able to, to win in six. And that was the problem for the Blazers. And that's why it was time for Terry Stotts to part ways for the Blazers with the Blazers because first of all they should have played Carmelo more CJ McCollum had his one of his worst playoffs of his career 
Damien Lillard was doing Damien Lillard things, but Lillard did not shoot well from downtown in Game 6. And yes, he had a great game in Game 5, but it just the Nuggets, everyone stepped up to Companzo, to Monte Morris, who had back-to-back 25-point-plus performances. And because since Jamal Murray is out, they needed someone to step out of slump, and that was Aaron Gordon, who hit big shot, and Michael Porter Jr., who's no one's talking about, is one of the reasons they beat the Blazers six, four times, is why they won in six games. But the Blazers did not. Yes, no one had a fishing game, but he's not the player that will give you 40 like Dame Dalla. And that's why they need to make a decision on Damon Lillard, on Norman Powell, and on CJ McCollum. Because I won't tell you it's a lie if I would have made that trade. Gary Trent Jr. and Ronnie Hood for Norman Powell. Like, I don't know, man, because Gary Trent was playing great defense, and obviously he's a better defender than Powell. And I know Powell was shooting lights out, but having Ronnie Hood was great for the Blazers. I, I just don't get why they made that trade. But the Nuggets will advance in six games so let's do the second round preview Sixers play are playing the Atlanta Hawks the Hawks won game one in fact and the Hawks were up 27 points but the Sixers ended the second half on a high note but the Hawks were able to hit big shots down the stretch as Trayon had is another 30-point outing as game two is tomorrow night in Philadelphia. And I still got this my Sixers beating these Hawks in six games. I'll, in fact, I'll give my prediction first. So the Nets and Bucks, I think the Nets, I, well, I'm predicting to win in six the Jazz and Clippers, I think the Jazz will win in seven games. Suns vs. Nuggets, I think this will be a toss-up. I think the Suns will get it done in six. So I talked already about the Sixers and Hawks. And now the Nets against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh... The sky's the limit for both teams because now it's going to be not powerhouse with powers, but it's going to be powerhouse against a great team. Because the bad news is that James Harden left game one early, super early, and he missed game two, and he's expected to probably miss game three and four and maybe come back for game five. But since the Nets won both games they won the second game and a big blowout it's just the nets shot lights out in the first quarter in the first half at one point it was 60 to 36 and for the bucks 
I don't think the Bucks have the right type of players to be these super team nets. Because Kyrie's going to do his thing. KD and Blake Griffin, who had one of his best game as a net. With 18 points, 11 rebounds. And for the Bucks, I know they got Drew Holiday, but Drew Holiday is not better than Kyrie Irving on the offensive end. And maybe in this, Drew Holiday is probably the best defender on both teams combined. But there's no X factor here because both teams, it's now they're down to nothing going back. Milwaukee and Giannis they thought they could use him like how he was used against Miami but that's a big no-no against Brooklyn Nets uh, so next it will be Jazz and Clippers this is the time where Paul George need to, needs to take this matchup nightmare because Paul George is obviously taller than Donovan Mitchell and obviously he's a known scorer better than Spider Mitchell and that's why the Clippers need Paul George to take it to the next level because we know guys, we know we know what Kawhi can bring, but this is about Paul George. And for the Jazz, the sky is the limit. For the Utah Jazz, we need Gobert to out-rebound the Zubach, the Ibakas, if you please. They need, he needs to out-rebound everyone. That's why the Jazz will win in seven. For the Suns and Nuggets, I already gave my prediction. But this is going to be about Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder, Bridges, and DeAndre Ayn against Nikola Jokic. Because Michael Porter is, a, is not a star yet, and Aaron Gordon has really struggled since he arrived to Denver from Orlando. But we will see because the X Factor is actually Aaron Gordon. And for the Suns, the X Factor. Is once again Devin Booker. Will he make big shots? Will he continue scoring in high pace? Because Jokic will switch on Devin Booker's in, in most of the time with off with the, some hard screens. But it's also Chris Paul who can continue getting it done because he's still having a shoulder problem. So that's it guys for the NBA first round recap and second round preview. So let's end the show with talking about Les Canadiens de Montréal. So the Habs swept, sweep, well swept the Jets to advance to the first semi-final since the 2010 seasons. And Carey Price has been playing magnificent. And he's playing his best hockey since they last went to the semifinals. But the young guns for the Habs are getting it done. But let's not forget Tyler Toffoli, a former NBA champion, a veteran 
who had big goals in these playoffs and has played well against even against Toronto. He had played great defensively. But all the Canadians have been doing is playing great defensively, is containing Pierre Luc Dubois of the Jets, containing the Winnipeg Jets and big guns. And they've been getting it done on the offensive end. And Carey Price is carrying this team. But the Jets, but for the Jets now, they're a disappointment once again in, the, in these playoffs. And the thing that has hurt most for the Jets is the trade that they made earlier in the regular season is getting rid of Patrick Lane, who they thought was better than Austin Matthews. But Lane was not just great offensively, but he was great defensively. And that's what hurt them the most. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois is not better than Patrick Lane. You guys know it and I know it. But Price was wonderful again for Montreal, and they will wait for the Islanders and Bruins and the Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. But guys, thanks for tuning in for this NBA first round recap and second round preview and talking a little about the Canadian Montreal. But guys, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to subscribe to YouTube channel and you can also send your donation donation to the link in the in the description below and it's a GoFundMe page. So thanks for tuning in guys and just keep sharing, liking and subscribing. Peace.